map. We finally did it. Chúc mừng năm mới. Chúc mừng năm mới, bro. Cack bang ơi. Phúc mập day. How you doing today? I'm doing great, brother. For those that are watching, uh, not just listening, but watching on YouTube, don't adjust your video screen. Uh, those words did come out of my new friend's mouth. He is uh, a spectacular Vietnamese English teacher. He is uh, has a huge affinity for the Vietnamese culture. I found him on social social media. He's probably one of my family's favorites to watch. Uh, Phuc Ma, thank you so much for making the time today, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Just finishing up work and always happy to take part in podcasts. It's definitely a hobby of mine. Haven't started my own, but I love having good conversations. Yeah, brother. This is super exciting for me. I'm a fan. I love what you do. And I have to confess, I probably learn more from your videos than I have going through five years of Vietnamese school growing up in the Bay Area. <laughs> you know, so good for you. So, That's so tell the goal. Me, tell That's me, what I'm going for. Dude, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this whole, you know, the culture itself? Uh, you know, also you have a, a huge love for it. But uh, how did this come about? Okay. So in 2014, I was working in a bar in downtown Orlando. And at that time, I went from working the door to being a bar back to being a bartender and making a good income for, you know, someone that used to work in a restaurant in college. So I, I was very excited with the job I had. But, uh, you know, a wise older friend told me, he said, if you don't stop, you're going to blink your eyes and wake up 20 years later and still be working in this bar mm -hmm. with no life experience. And it really stuck with me. And he said, I don't mean like going to England, Ireland, Australia, go somewhere completely different that's going to, you know, shock you culturally. So I, I learned more about teaching English abroad. I looked at my choices from uh, Spain to Korea to Japan and then Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. settled on Vietnam. Very glad that I did, but I only intended on staying there a year. I uh, realized, wow, this language is really hard. It's probably going to be very difficult to learn. Maybe I won't try. Mm -hmm. But then. I started dating my wife and mm. that was the motivation I needed. Uh, it kept me there, uh, you know, pushed me to learn the language. And then she's actually the reason that I started going uh, on the internet, on social media, kind of displaying my skills, if you will, but mixed uh -huh. in with my personality and my humor. And it, it caught on very quickly. Isn't it funny at the end of the day, at the end of every success story, there is a woman involved. <laughs> yes. Yes. Success story or failure. Yeah, you know, it goes I, both ways, I agree, man. I'm happy to be on the success end at the moment. So how did you meet your wife? Uh, so she actually had her family's house right down the street from where I taught. So we had some mutual mm. friends that introduced us and, you know, ask her out and keep it. It was very traditional. You know, I've, mm. I've said uh, on Vietnamese television, they ask about the experience dating a Vietnamese woman and... Man, I was shocked. She was 27, 28. You know, we're the same age, a month apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, I have to be home by midnight. I was like, what? <laughs> you got to be home by midnight? What do you yeah. mean? She's like, oh, I'll get in trouble. You know, I'm not supposed to come home late like that. Right. And I found that traditionally in Vietnam, you live with the family until you get married and you have a curfew, at least right. as a girl. Right. And, you know, in some instances, once you get married, the family comes with you and it's multi-generation, right? In one household. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I lived that experience. I'm still living with my wife's family coming on, uh, coming up on four years now. Okay. So you moved, right? Yeah, so uh, with a little bit of our interaction, you just recently moved from Florida to Kentucky. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a circle. Okay. okay? So it's like, 
a lot of people are confused with my situation, but so for the last eight years, I was a full-time English teacher. Okay. And then the last four years, I had my social media job on the side as well, mm. MC, TV, and things like that. But uh, now that my wife finally got approved for her green card over here, that gives us the option to go around because she'd never uh, been to America. Yeah. She'd never physically met my parents until August when we came over mm -hmm. because COVID, obviously. Right, the, right. The uh, consulate basically right. shut down. She couldn't do her interview for a green card. So we applied three and a half years ago. I mean, wow. it's been a long process. Wow. So now I have the five-year marriage visa for Vietnam, and I have the option to go Kentucky, Florida, and Vietnam and pretty much just go in a circle. Well, I'm going to throw some of the else out there. Stop by Las Vegas, Nevada, where mm -hmm. I'm at. So, uh, you know, pay us a visit. We'll I definitely host you, man. Please do. Please do. We'll talk more I, about that I, offline for sure, brother. I, I actually partied with a guy in Kanta this summer oh. who's a Vietnamese nail tech mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. And I told him I'd definitely hit him up uh, if I was over there. So, yeah, yeah. We'll talk offline. Please do. I would love to do that. So, so you spent great. roughly eight years in Vietnam teaching English, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. So, how Pretty long? Much, did, I mean, almost to the T, eight years. Pretty much like to the month. Right. How long did it take you to feel comfortable enough to be able to teach, though? Because of all the languages, I mean, there's a lot of difficult languages, obviously, but Vietnamese is so nuanced because the inflection of words, right? One word can mean mm -hmm. five different things. So, so how did you? How did that journey feel for you? You know, was it rough? Was it tough? Or did, did you take to it, or, or how was the process? So, um, I, I was very lucky to have found a program. Uh, it was called Language Core. It's actually defunct now, but when mm -hmm. I went through it, it was a good program. And basically, uh, they had they owned a hotel in Cambodia, and they would bring uh, people like me from England, Australia, America that wanted to teach English, you know, in Asia. Mm -hmm. And they would make us uh, teach in Cambodia, but like literally go through the methods. And to be honest, a lot of people ask like that, like, oh, if you don't know the language, how can you teach English? It's more of delivering a language to someone without knowing their language. Like mm -hmm. you hold up a ball, you say, what's this ball? Repeat after me ball. This is a ball. And you just build on that. Oh. And um so we spent two weeks in Cambodia uh, learning and teaching there. And then their office in Vietnam, we spent two weeks there learning. And then from there, I got connected with my language school mm -hmm. and they have their own resources. And, and from there, it was just, yeah, you learn as you go. I, I'll be honest, my first class of 15 year olds, I said, I, I don't think I can do this. They were crazy. Right. I couldn't control them. Right. But then six, seven weeks in, I kind of bonded with them and got that connection. And then from then on, man, it, it went by in a blink of an eye for sure. Can you still remember the very first time you stepped foot in Vietnam, your impression, the feeling, stuff like yes. that? Well, what was your impression or, or how, how did the feeling hit you? I was relieved. I'm going to oh. be honest with you. Okay. Um, because so the, the program started in Cambodia, uh -huh. but as I mentioned, I'd never left the country before. And I said, well, if I'm just packing, packing everything up and going, mm -hmm. I'm going to go to Thailand first, spend a month there. Sure. Then I'm going to take a train. I think we took a train. Yeah, took a train down to Malaysia, spend a week there, and then fly to Cambodia two weeks and then Vietnam. So get a feel for the whole area. And each place had its positives and its negatives. But to be honest, I was in District 3 of Saigon. 
And I remember coming out of my hotel the first morning and I said, Whoo, I'm so glad I chose this country right. over Thailand, over Cambodia, because for living, I just felt like Vietnam was the best mix. And there's many factors to that, but sure. Yeah, everything. It just it was the right choice. And there's a lot of what people don't realize too, there's a lot of like subcultures within the culture as well. So you go to different district you go to different towns villages and stuff like that there's definitely plenty of different cultures within the culture um one yeah, thing 54 I mean, ethnic minorities in vietnam yes. yeah yeah a lot of the indigenous people like people don't even realize we have uh or the vietnamese culture or vietnamese country has a lot of indigenous people as well too so um mm -hmm. explain the best you can because I, I still tell people unless you see it for yourself you just won't get it explain the traffic and uh, basically situation over there when it comes to vehicles, if you can. It is no holds barred, you yep. know, from the street, going the wrong way, driving on the sidewalk, mm -hmm. five people on a bike, a refrigerator on the back of a bike, a whole pig, yep. dogs riding on there. I mean, it's literally no holds barred, but at the same time, it has a proper flow. Yes. And after the first couple of weeks, you kind of just <clears throat> glide with traffic. It's very mm -hmm. scary, but you get a hold of it fairly quickly. And then before I knew it, I had a rental motorbike and I was driving from up by the airport mm -hmm. down to District 6, which is like a 30 to 45 minute drive during rush hour. And I was doing that five, six days a week and I just got to Vietnam. So yeah. I, I got got the handle on it real quick. Yeah. I think that's what you said. Flow is the key word. I think those that get hesitant or nervous, that's what breaks up the flow. That's when it gets dangerous. But it's a weird, it's a weird chaos that works, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's controlled chaos, basically. So um, Vietnam, when you got there, you started teaching, you're starting to embrace the culture. What, uh, what surprised you, if anything at all? And what similarities do you, you found uh, that surprised you as far as comparing it to the West as well? But, you know, just talk to me a little bit about some of the culture aspects of it. I would say, um, going back to the feeling of relief when <clears throat> I showed up there, I would say that people in Vietnam resemble the West more than say Cambodia and Thailand. Mm. And I say that because I felt like more people were focused on going to work and spending time with their friends and family versus the tourists. Okay. So in Cambodia, everywhere you go, there's kids, adults, old people coming up to you, trying to sell you something, ask for money, do a trick for money. Thailand, everybody's trying to sell you a tour and get you in a tuk-tuk. And Vietnam has areas that do that. But where I was and where I lived most of the time, people might stare, but they don't, they don't try to sell you something. They don't mm -hmm. try to scam you. They don't try to – and everybody was like, you know, they, they wear – you know, as we say, Western um, mm -hmm. uh, office clothes, they're going to their job. Everybody's just focused on them versus uh, Thailand and Cambodia, where it was just more like, okay, tourists, hey, hey, give me a dollar. I'll do this. Yeah. I got a bracelet for sale, something like that. Um, on the flip side, I would say a big difference was that Vietnam, they they love their lunch hour. Mm. Everything closes for lunch. Yeah. 
the bank, even the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, and the doctor gets back from lunch. I'm like, they're like, it's not an emergency. You can wait. I'm like, right. You know, so a lot of things, it's like that uh, saying, eat true. Like the, mm -hmm. they sleep, they rest for lunch. Yeah. My school, the, all the, the office staff would pull out like a yoga mat and mm -hmm. go to sleep under their desk. I'm like, what? So that was a big difference as well. Yeah, for those listening, what Fook uh, was saying was, you know, we call it lunch hour, but man, it extends because after a three, four, you know, share family style lunch meal, possibly, you're taking a half an hour, 45 minute nap too. And I think that's why it's ingrained in me. I love naps, brother. And I think it's probably yeah. ingrained in me, in my DNA. Um, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's I good do. for the health. And if too. everyone's on the same schedule, then, you know, whatever. But yeah. When you wake up late and you got to go to the bank and it's 1130, you go, oh, no, oh, right, I can't right. make it to the bank till 130. So, so how did the process work? Within those eight years, you were going back and forth to the States, right? You're going home and back to Vietnam, home, back to Vietnam, I assume. Mm -hmm. I, I Maybe I was just lucky or maybe I just worked at a good language school, which mm -hmm. it wasn't a very good language school, but they always handled my visa. So oh. I never actually did a visa run and went out, you know, over to... Um, was the place Mop Chow, I think it's called mm -hmm. uh, the Cambodian border crossing, which all my you know friends had to do. I'm like, I've never done that. I just renew it at work and I would have a two year visa every two years. And my thing, I went home for Christmas uh, 2015. And then after that, I go, wait a minute. The that holiday is in January or February. Mm -hmm. I'm off of work almost two weeks anyways. I might as well just go home during that time. So I came home every year for February, except for 2019 and then 2020 and 2021. Mm. 2019, I went to uh, Laos for my birthday in February. And then 2020, 2021, the rule was with the COVID lockdown, if I left Vietnam, basically I couldn't come back. Right. And I couldn't leave my wife there and my, you know, my puppy. So I wasn't going to just leave and hope I could come back within the year. Yeah. So I stayed in Vietnam 2020, 2020 and 2021. It's safe to say, you know, you being so ingrained into integrated into the culture, living there, um, it probably came at a point where you really fell in love with the culture, I'm assume, I assume. Do you remember you know, that, that point where you're like, oh, man, like it's it hit me. You know what I mean? I thought it was early on, but it really wasn't until I started learning Vietnamese. And then mm. I'm, you know, I was just doing a TV show for VTV4 and they asked me a similar question. And I, I shared that, you know, Vietnam's the perfect country for me because mm -hmm. you, at least in Saigon, I know Hanoi is a little different in the general attitude, but they're, they're still friendly with me. But in Saigon, I can walk up to anyone on the street, start a conversation and they will give me a couple minutes of their time, like mm -hmm. willingly, not mm -hmm. annoyed, not like, no, 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 no. If I come up and speak just a little Vietnamese, they want to have a conversation with me. Yeah. And I, I took that, you know, full speed ahead where I would talk to everyone every day. So at least the phrases that I knew at the time, phrases that I know in my vocabulary, I got a lot of practice with those and I got mm -hmm. to see what worked. People, sometimes people go, uh, and I go, oh, I'm not saying that right. They would ask a question. I would develop good comebacks and then build the conversation from there. So I would say when I got more comfortable with conversation in Vietnamese is mm -hmm. when I felt like, oh, I'm Vietnamese. All these foreign backpackers, you know, I'm not, I'm not that anymore. I'm, I'm Vietnamese now. Yeah.
That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I think they appreciate the effort and the appreciation, you know, but like I said, because Vietnamese, the language itself, it's probably not anyone's first choice in learning just because of how complex it is, right? So I think for any Vietnamese person to see a foreigner learn it, then there has to be this type of bond that just naturally happens. So I'm so happy that, that you did. Um, and the Vietnamese culture, man, one of the subcultures I'm talking about is the nightlife. People don't realize Vietnamese, Vietnam has a freaking nightlife. They, the folks like to drink, they like to yeah. meow, right? Uh, and it's not like yeah. when you go and eat bar food, you're having a feast and it could be just curbside with little chairs and little tables, but it happens almost every day. I have one of the most uh, unique experiences with Nyao mm -hmm. that you'll ever see in a foreigner. And okay. I confidently say that because my wife owned a one Nyao for years. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and I was there every night. Okay. Every night. Luckily, at that time, I didn't drink. Uh, I had periods in Vietnam where I wouldn't drink for a year and a half or two mm -hmm. years. Most of the time I was in Vietnam, I didn't drink at all. Okay. Uh, but... When my wife owned one yao, it was walking distance from my house and she had to be there late night. So I would stay there late night. And yeah, you, you, you are hundred percent correct. That yao culture, it wasn't just hers, mm -hmm. but you could just walk down the street and it's one yao, one yao, one yao. And that's just our district. Mm -hmm. It's in every district. And she would have people stay there till six in the morning, still drinking tiger. And I'm like, right. <laughs> If, working in Orlando, we kick them out at two. Like, right, if right. you're here by two thirty, we can push you out the door. And she's like, "No, if they have a big group and they're still drinking, they stay as late as they want, and we right. have to stay." I'm like, "What?" Right. So yes, it is. And I read uh, when it comes to Southeast Asia, uh -huh. Vietnam has the highest consumption of beer per capita than any of the other countries. Beer, beer with an ice cube. <laughs> yep. Yep. So you it's know what? Still I, weird I to me. But yeah, for a lot of people, it's weird at first, right? But uh, I have to self-admit, right, that, you know, being being uh, an immigrant coming to America, love America, you know, my, my, my parents and myself, our first priority is getting integrated and being, being American, which we are, right? So as part of that, you know, sub, you know the, 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 the negative side of this is that I kind of lost touch with my heritage for a bit. And I kind of regained it, I want to say, probably over the last 15 years. I'm 46 now. And it was through travel. Oh, wow. You hold yeah, it well. It, you hold it well. Yeah. It's, thank you, brother. It was, through, it was through travel and it was through food, rediscovering my, my food origin. And a lot of it, you know, I have to say, you know, rest in peace. Thanks to guys like Anthony Bourdain. You know, you see guys that do these travel shows. They keep saying, oh, my gosh. The food in Vietnam, the people in Vietnam, the food in Vietnam, the people in Vietnam. And now I have to say, biasly or not, I think we have some of the best freaking variety of foods and flavors there is in the world. You know, mm -hmm. so I don't want to cause drama or controversy, but I'm going to have to ask you a couple of questions to make you pick. OK, so for you, okay. sir, for you, pho or boom boy? Oh, definitely Bumba Hue all day, all day. Good answer. Um, I get why pho is popular. Mm -hmm. It's not as a strong of a flavor, so it appeals to a wider audience. Mm -hmm. But after my experience, and I had a lot of experience because I always eat outside in Vietnam anyways, uh -huh. Bumba Hue all day. That's the way to go. Bumba all day. I tell you what, you talked to me five years ago, I would disagree. But lately, I'm telling you, that's it. The spiciness of it, the complexity of flavor. 
Um, how about Roy Kung or Jia Yao? I'm more of a Jia Yao guy. I like the fried. I can eat Roy Kung. I like Roy Kung, but mm -hmm. yeah, if I have to choose Jia Yao, my wife just made a ton of them for Christmas for my family. Mm -hmm. I think total was like 47 rolls handmade and some of the best I've ever had. And when you see what goes into it, she's like, this is why uh, restaurants here in America, mm. they're it's, it's not as good as Vietnam right. because they don't put the work. Yeah. She has the taro. She has mm. the onions. She has the garlic. She's Ooh. got the pork. She got mm. everything. And she, it took her all morning just to make everything before rolling it. And then when you see what goes into it, you realize why it's such a good dish. And but you, I made a video where I went and made goi kun as well, and that's uh -huh. also complex. Do you do you eat your jia yao uh, straight, or do you do the the lettuce wrap, the fish sauce, nuk mama, and everything too? You know, I, I'll do it with the lettuce. We had that at my house, um, mm. but I feel the same way about Korean and Japanese barbecue. I prefer it just straight up. Yeah. Like even, you know, the barbecue where they, they have the tetnung uh -huh. and they'll have the vegetables. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just give me the meat. I want the meat and the sauce and that's it. Give me nook mom or tungut. Yeah. And I'm good. Well, you know what? Can't argue with that, man. I got, I got one more. What has to do with food. Mm -hmm. This is a tough one, my friend. Okay. Cause this okay. is two cultures. If you had to give up either pizza or Vietnamese banh mi, which one would you give up? If you had to. Sorry, sorry, but my, you, you hit, you hit the nail on the head with that. That's my favorite food. Pizza. Oh, so I, I'll give up anything. I'll give up anything before <laughs> pizza. That that's my biggest, my biggest thing. And yeah. my wife gets sick of it because I don't care if it's Totino's from Walmart. Uh -huh. I'll take that over just about other, any other dish. I fold it like a taco and just, yep. man, I, I, I can't resist pizza. Okay, how about this last question? Is pineapple okay on a pizza? I think so. I, I think, think so is. too. People make a big deal it's of it. Thank experiment. You. I'm telling you, Not man. The I'm telling you, one well, choice, I love it. but I, I'll eat it either way. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so what's what's keeping you busy nowadays? You're back in the states, so I know uh, you know you did a quick move, or at least you know you're gonna do a stint in Kentucky. Uh, you got a couple businesses. Uh, you know what else is, is is going on in your life? What's keeping you busy nowadays? So it's a constant cycle of work, you know, in Vietnam, as I said, I was a full-time English teacher, taught mm -hmm. pretty much every day. I think I took Mondays off, but I would teach. And then when I wasn't teaching, I would be filming. And when I wasn't filming, I'd be editing. And when I wasn't editing, I'd be doing a TV show. And I, I'm, I'm someone that likes to stay busy. Mm -hmm. I don't like to sit around. I haven't had a subscription to Netflix since the lockdown in Vietnam. You know, I don't watch cable TV. I rarely even watch movies anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't like to just be complacent and lay around. To me, I'm always doing something and there's always a video to edit. There's always social media to deal with. So uh, right before we got on this podcast, I was editing my newest video for YouTube mm -hmm. from Kung Ha. I took a long Mekong Delta trip this summer mm -hmm. and it's, to, in my opinion, it's an awesome video, and I have plenty of videos left to release from Vietnam. Mm. So until I get back for my next TV show, hopefully right after that, then uh, I'm going to be releasing these videos. And obviously, Vietnamese word of the day.
<laughs> I'm definitely going to support. Uh, I'll put all the links in, in the description and, and at the end, I'll let you, uh, you know, kind of promote yourself a little bit too. So you do all, everything you do you is, is self-production. Yes. Even the first six months of YouTube, I would type all the subtitles in Vietnamese and English myself. Yeah. My wife would check to make sure it's correct, but I did everything. And then I realized, okay, I'm wasting hours of time typing these subtitles when I can get Create. this to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So my wife actually did it for like two years. And now one of my old coworkers in Vietnam, uh, an English teacher, Vietnamese guy, he does my subtitles straight to YouTube. No more putting them on the video. But aside from that, uh, filming and editing and social media comments and mm -hmm. uploading all that, I, I do all that still. So also, you know, you start off as a passion project and you're, you're gaining a lot of traction. A lot of people know you. Actually, when I, I gave uh, my, a lot of my friends a heads up that you and I be chatting, they were really excited. Uh, so congratulations on, on the following, the growth. What, what do you, you, what are your hopes? Do you have an idea where you want to take the brand for yourself? You know, Fook, Fook Map is a brand. Um, any ideas that you mm -hmm. want to talk about or is it, is it just kind of just see where life takes you? You know, um, Sometimes people will get lucky mm -hmm. and go viral with mm -hmm. something, you know, you have a, a video, mm -hmm. whatever, but I've done that so many times just being me and sharing what I know in this very small niche of a foreigner speaking Vietnamese. I've been a meme in Vietnam so many times. I've been the number one trending video on TikTok. I've been on the number one TV show in Vietnam. Yeah. I've done it so many times that I, I know there's, it's not luck. Like something I'm doing, mm -hmm. you know, whether I notice it or not, something I'm doing works. So for the brand, uh, I actually had a student who turned out to be my friend. He asked me this in the beginning. He's like, well, what are you trying to do with all of this? And I said, look, you know, money aside and views and subscribers aside, in the end, I want every Vietnamese person in Vietnam or abroad, if you, if someone came up to you and said, are there any foreigners that speak your language? I want the first mm. answer from everyone to go, ah, Phuc Ma. Yeah. You don't have to like me. You don't have to think I'm even funny, but you have to appreciate, you have to understand and acknowledge yeah. what I've accomplished. And yeah. you'd be like, hey, Phuc Ma, you know, he's not the most fluent. He's kind of funny. But he's definitely done it. And he's he's been on TV, uh, been in feature films, yeah. you know, done all these different things. Yeah. He's definitely done it. So that's my end goal is just acknowledging what's been done, I guess well, I could say. Well, I would definitely think you're on that trajectory for sure. I mean, you're definitely funny. You're charismatic. You pronounce better than I do, to be honest with you. Um, and I think one of those things that mm -hmm. I said earlier was, the complexity of the language, the culture for you to, whether by luck or by chance that you pick this and you're, you're excelling at it says a lot of dedication. And I think at the end of the day, that's what people recognize too, is that dedication. Right. And, 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 you know, the appreciation for the culture, man. So that's cool, man. Were you, were you about to say something? I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah no, I was just going to say, and on that note, I, I find it in the beginning of the, you know, you'll get some hate comments, right? I mean, you're, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to get hate yeah, comments. Yeah. But now it's almost turned into like a, a comedic thing for me where it, it's the people that leave these comments that mm -hmm. go on, you know, people have said, oh, when you move back to America, you're going to be a nobody. Nobody's going to care about you. You're just lucky you're in Vietnam. But I look at it like, no, I'm someone that's found success in whatever I say, hey, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. I found success in it. And 
it doesn't matter if I go into the nail business here or I try to be an actor here or mm. whatever it is, like I'm confident in myself and I've already done it over and over again. So I'm just going to keep doing it. So when you start to get exposed to more people and people kind of run their mouth in the comments, like mm -hmm. it just, it makes you go, all right, well, I know I've been successful at what I've done. And there's a reason you're leaving negative comments on people's posts because you'll probably never be successful in what you're doing well, or you wouldn't have time to go on online and do that. 1000% because I challenge people this all the time is find someone super negative and tell me how their life is. Are they happy? Are they successful? Because successful can mean different things for different people, but I go back to, are they happy? Because most happy people, mm -hmm. if not all happy people don't have the time to be an asshole, to be honest with you, nor do they wish to be right. And, and anyone that's ahead of you or, or has a, has a further path in success than you, they never look back to criticize the people that criticize the people they don't that are doing go it. Down. They don't yeah. punch down. Exactly. Yeah, they don't punch down, dude. So, and, and honestly, one of my mentors told me years ago, he said, Hey, chase that negative, chase that hater, because unless someone hates you, you're not real. So congratulations for being real. You know what I mean? It's, it's true, Thank man. You, it's it's anything, you. whether it's content creation, business, what have you. So that's awesome, man. What any, um, any plans on going back to Vietnam, uh, anytime soon? Yes. So I've been in talks with a production company. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very, very honored. I use this word a lot cause you know, that's how I feel about it. But, um, the department of tourism is trying to push tourism deep into the Mekong Delta mm. and they're doing a show in Kamau, mm -hmm. um, trying to just have like almost a discovery show. And I've done one of these shows on VTV already, mm. but uh, they reached out to me and, you know, according to them, they really want me to be the host. And I said, Hey, you know, if you can pay for my ticket out and give me a base salary, yeah, I'm down. You know, yeah. I, 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 anytime I have a reason to go back to Vietnam, I'm yeah. back in Vietnam and that's the plan. So Hopefully after the Tut holiday, mm -hmm. we work something out with the contract and then I'll be right back after Tut. Man, what a what a life, man. What a life to, to go and, and travel and, and you know get get paid for whatever the salary is. Hopefully it's a it's a good enough for, for you know a solid living, but the life experience, you know, I mean let's bring it around full circle. This all started just because you decided or someone put it in your ear. Hey man, there's a big word out, world out there. Get out of Florida, see what else is out there. And, and you took the action, right? And I tell people this all the time. It's like, whatever you're working hard for, the material stuff, that shit fades. You know what doesn't fade? Experience, memories, uh, adventure, that stuff lives you forever. And you know, you're epitome of that. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on that, man. To me, I think that's a win already. You know what I mean? Excellent. Yeah. And you know, people, people talk about money. And yeah, of course we all want money and we sure. want to buy our time and be able to do what we want. But someone else presented this and I can't remember where I heard it, but they said, all right, look back at the last five or 10 years of your life. Think about, were you happy? Were you happy mm -hmm. with what you did, where you were at, the decisions you made, were you happy? And I look back and I go, well, at least the last eight years, I was very happy. Mm -hmm. I, I was so happy. And I look at how much I made and I'm like, well, it wasn't anything to brag about, but I, did I have enough? Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I was never starving. I never mm -hmm. was needing for anything. So it, it showed me that for the rest of my life, as long as I have money to provide food and shelter and clothes, you know, mm -hmm. for my family and myself, 
my happiness depends on am I doing what I want to do? Yeah. And that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, man. Everything above, you know, food, shelter, and then your your tribe, as in your family, your close friends, anything above and beyond that is just stuff. You know what I mean? It really is. And and you know, my, my wife and I, and I got trapped in that because I I live in, in corporate America for years. You know, my wife and I now have venture off and we we have our own real estate business, et cetera, et cetera. So we've had some successes, but as far as our joy and our happiness, it hasn't changed, man. It really hasn't changed because whatever it is that you deem as your source of happiness, and if you can build it outside of the finances, then I think you have the right target. You know what I mean? Like for you is travel food, your wife, experiences, things like that. Those require money, but it doesn't require for you to be a billionaire. Don't strive to be like that. You know what I mean? Um, dude, so, so tell me a little bit about some of the TV shows you were on. You said you, you've been on some TV shows in Vietnam, what have you? Yeah, I'm, I have to go chronologically for you so I don't miss sure. any. Um, I've been very... I'll start by saying like, you know, my whole thing with this and presented mm -hmm. to me by my wife and best friend when they encouraged me to start the YouTube channel was to fill a niche. You know, there's mm -hmm. not really uh, a foreigner mm -hmm. who speaks Vietnamese, travels, reviews food, and it is uh, humorous. There wasn't, you know, back in 2018 when I started this. And when I started it, I went viral for a video, I, I'm not sure if you've seen this one. My first viral video, I put a pet chicken on a leash and walked it around Saigon mm -hmm. and wore a dobo no women's mm -hmm. pajamas. Mm -hmm. And before I even put that video out, people had taken pictures of me and I was on the national news that night. And uh -huh. I, I watched that and that's when it all kind of blew up. And then that was April, 2019. And at the beginning of summer 2019, a TV show reached out to me, or a TV network, and they wanted to give me my own TV show called Mok Ngai Kua Phuc Map on mm. HTV9. And I, I said, oh, I made it. And yeah. I didn't really make it because they were only paying me $100 an episode, even though it's my show. Yeah, but yeah. we filmed about seven or eight episodes. And from there, the late, later that year, I did a game show called Ayla Somot, uh, who's number one. I won that game show, got paid $250 for that one. <laughs> and that that was a huge one because it had like over 50 million views or something. Wow. The next year, um, I did oh, I did some talk shows with MCV. Uh -huh. um, and then towards the end of 2020, uh, there's a show called Nyep Yeah, We Top on Friday night primetime. And do you know that phrase, Nyep Yeah, We Top? No. In Vietnamese? No. It means do when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. So they wanted us to compare our culture as foreigners to uh, Vietnamese culture. You know, mm. how do we feel about this? How do we feel about that? And it was me, a Nigerian, a Palestinian, a Russian, a French girl, a Korean, and it, they would switch out the cast. But I did nine episodes and we got to debate in Vietnamese. Wow. That was a lot of fun. Wow. And a, good test for my Vietnamese because millions of people are watching me argue about dog meat and this yeah. and that in Vietnamese. And I'm like, uh, but it was good. And then um, this summer I did another game show on VTV four and then or VTV three and then VTV four invited me to be the host of a discovery show, kind of like discovery channel, but uh -huh. the English speaking channel in Vietnam. 
And then um, I came back to America in August and I got invited to be on Hang A Dem, Two Days, One Night, which mm-hmm. right now is the hottest TV show in Vietnam and my wife's favorite show. So she stayed here in America. She's like, you go back, you do it. Wow. You know, that's a great show. You can't pass up that opportunity. And to me, I, I didn't care if I had to pay for everything myself and they didn't even pay me. Yeah, that's yeah. an investment in my brand. Yes. Because now just on YouTube, over 20 million people have seen those episodes, not wow. counting national TV. And uh, went back. I was happy with my performance. But while I was back, I did a show of VTV4. I filmed another episode for uh, Vietnam Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, got on Vietnam and yeah, four, I did four TV shows within three weeks of being back. Damn brother. So it's nonstop for, for real. Yeah. And then last year I did a, uh, a cameo in a feature film um, because of my chicken video that I told you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The director messaged me. He's like, I like your chicken video. I want you in my movie. I said, Oh great. So like, I'm the star. He's like, no, you're just the neighbor, but you're the only foreigner in the movie. I'm like, oh, okay. That's well, cool. you, so I had a couple lines. Yeah. I was going to say, at least you'll be remember, rememberable for sure, right? No matter what. I hope so. I yeah, hope you so. will, brother. It, it was in theaters. And then uh-huh. even on Vietnam Airlines, I have a picture. You could watch that movie on the plane. Uh-huh. And I was like, got it. So, um of all the places you've been in Vietnam, what, what stands out to you the most? Well, I don't want to use it. Eh, let's use it. What's your favorite? What, what location is your favorite? And, and, and why? If you don't Two spots. Asking. Okay. Of course. Two spots. Uh, Haiyang and Phong Nha. Because um, after traveling around for eight years, I went to all the major cities mm-hmm. in the places that I went. For example, uh, Bangkok, Phnom Penh, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, uh, Tokyo, Osaka, Taipei, mm. um, Seoul and Busan. So all major cities in those countries. And after I, I finished that, I was like, I don't really care about these big cities. Like the right. food's great, right. but right. they're all kind of the same. Right. I like <clears throat> nature. I like being out in the jungle and seeing things. So some of my favorite trips out of Vietnam were Borneo and Laos because I spent time in the jungle, whatever else. But mm. in Vietnam, Haiyang is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Mm. Just beautiful mountains and rice paddies for days. Mm-hmm. Phong Nha, 300 caves, the largest cave in the world. Did a huge hike, swam into a cave, went rock wow. climbing in a cave. So both those places I would go back to over and over again. See, uh, take the take religious out of it, but do you feel like you have a, a spiritual uh, experience with it when, when you go to places like that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we, we lose touch with nature in mm-hmm. general and just being out. When I, I feel better when I look out and just see these mountains mm-hmm. and I'm just standing there breathing that air. I mean, it is cleaner than the air in Saigon and Hanoi, but right. standing there, I'm just like, man, like honestly, the older I get, the more I just want a house right next to one of these mountains, oh. just relax out in nature forever. That's all yeah. I want. Wake up, drink your cafe sedat, look over the cliff and see all the greenery. I mean, very few, very few sceneries that uh, can beat that for sure. Um, oh, yeah. Fr- from the bottom of your heart and through your experience, help the audience understand how important it is to go outside of your comfort zone 
and more importantly, or as important, to also travel to see the world because also it changed your life, the trajectory of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to them about that, man. So um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, uh, bar regular that was a friend of mine, very wise guy. You know, he's he was well traveled, and he he told me that he's like. You know, you need to get out. You need to go somewhere where they don't speak your language, where they don't look like you, where their mm -hmm. culture is different. You need to experience that and see another thing. And after doing this, you know, I met people from Israel, Singapore, and South Korea who were mm -hmm. forced in Vietnam who are required to be in the military or the police mm -hmm. as per the law in their country, right? Mm -hmm. Which in those countries, fine. That's how they want to do it. But I think. A better thing would be almost like an incentive if people got out of their country and had to spend, let's say, three months in another country that spoke a different language, like an exchange program. Mm -hmm. Not so much for school, but mm -hmm. for living. Mm -hmm. And I think it would it would fight a lot of the bigotry, a lot of the racism mm -hmm. um, in, in general, because I, I, I admit I had no idea about different Asian cultures until I lived in Asia. I'd never right. eaten Vietnamese food. I didn't know the difference between that and Korean food. And going over there, that just it blew my mind. Like to see, you know, yeah. I could spot Koreans or Chinese on how they dress and how they acted at tourist spots because I was around it so much. And I think it doesn't have to be Asia. It doesn't have to be Vietnam. But I think if someone goes and lives in Peru or someone goes and lives in Ghana, mm -hmm. or they you just get out of your comfort zone. You go somewhere where they look different, they speak different, they do different things. You're forced to be a part of that culture for just a few months. I think it would open up a lot of eyes. I agree 1000% because that is, you know, my wife and I, that's our love language is, is, is travel, you know, and, and obviously, you know, now the world opening back up, we're so excited to, to do that again. And when we say travel, I want to travel like poop, meaning that I want to dive into the culture. I have a lot of friends that quote unquote travel and they stay mm -hmm. at the Four Seasons or the resort every country they go. I'm like, that's not traveling. You're just moving your suitcase. You know what I mean? Like going to Hard Rock, Hard Rock <laughs> Casino in all the different countries. Like what's the difference? Like, I know, right? It's crazy, man. It's crazy. But yeah, you got to be with the people, you know, and and. And I always say, you know, you get to be, be in the people and you eat the street food, you talk to grandma, you talk to uncle and, you know, and, and you experience that and you see the beauty about traveling is you see how different people are, but then you realize at the same time, at the core of it, we're all the same. We're so similar. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's at the end of the day, people just want to be happy. They want to feel safe. They want to, you know, love their friends and family. They want their children to have a better you know, uh, a future than they did. I think the premise of people all the same, and you were talking about, you know, it, you know, it shuts down bigotry and racism and, and all that just stems from not understanding. And the only way, mm -hmm. well, not the only way, but the best way to understand anybody in their culture is to just dive into it, man. Dive into it head first, right? So, and you, um, if you're lucky like Fook and you're single, you might meet your wife or, or spouse. So that's an added bonus, right? That story, man, just living there and meeting so many people, that story played out for other people as well. Yeah. Not yeah. not so much the YouTube and the social mm -hmm. media space, but I met guys that came from just random mm -hmm. places, met their wife. Now they got three, four kids. They live there seven, 10, 12, 15 years, mm -hmm. and their, their whole life's changed simply from finding love in another country. And uh, yeah, and to me, 
I had this conversation with a customer earlier because a lot of customers here like to ask about Vietnam. Sure. And to me, I think the values of the women there are just mm. at a different level when it comes to family values and yeah. how, you know, how life is kind of supposed to go where it's like you live with the family. Okay. You get married. Now you're with the husband and then now you have kids. And obviously that's idealistic and it's not going to be true for everyone, but I was very afraid of even thinking about getting married until I met my wife. Mm. And in one of the first news interviews I had in Vietnam, like 2019, they asked me like, what attracted you to your wife? And I'm like, I saw how she took care of her family in general her nephews and nieces, but her family in general and just so caring. And it was all genuine. It wasn't mm -hmm. like a fake show, like, oh, you know, the, the boyfriend's over. I got to make it. No, that she does that. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, I, I could marry that girl. Like I just, that, that blew me away and it, right. it held true. We're coming up on five years of marriage and it's still like, you know, I've lived with the family four years. I know how it goes now. And yeah, it really, it changed my views on getting married. That's for sure. Wow. And plus, you know, meeting the right person, obviously, right? And then you guys, you know, have, have that same goal. Um, you know, so so as we approach wrapping up, because I don't want to take too much up of your time, and I would love to do this again through your journey and keep in touch. And and when I said that, mm -hmm. that invite about, hey, man, hit me up when you come to Vegas, I do mean that. Please do. Uh, you know, we'll host you and, and we'll go to some, cool. some nice dinners, man. But um I hear people, I bet you there's people listening to this right now and said, well, you know, easy for folk to do. He has such, you know, an, an open adventure personality. He has good charisma. Uh, of course, he can go out and travel the world, but I'm too shy or I'm too afraid or whatever. Help these people get over the hump of traveling because I, that, I tell you, is probably one of the best things you can do for your development, for yourself and for your life experience. How, how do you beat that fear, man, of getting out of the comfort zone? Talk to the people. Well, this is one aspect of what I hope to accomplish mm -hmm. through my journey and what I'm doing is to inspire other people. Uh, I can vividly remember talking to a girl who I went to university with that mm -hmm. lived and taught in South Korea and Thailand, talking to a guy that I used to work with who lived and worked in Japan and just bombarding them with questions like, what if this happens? How did you get past this? And mm. if I didn't talk to them, there's a chance that I would have just been too scared to do it. Right. So having somebody in front of you that's already done it can push you to get past that. You go, okay, it's possible. They can do it. Yeah, maybe they're not as social or adventurous as me, but they're also safer, more calm ways to go about it. You know, I was trying yeah. to eat mouse and live worms and everything when I got over there. Yeah. yeah so I took it to another level. Sure. But you don't have to do that. You can get an apartment and you can just go to language exchange clubs and, you know, meet local friends. There's easy ways to do it. But I think seeing someone like me mm. come from America, never left the country and then took a trip for one year and then turned it into an eight year, just growth where things have, you know, changed so much for me. Just, so you just got to take the chance. You just got to get on the plane at some point, right? Yeah. So well, I will drop it on here. Hopefully um, uh -huh. I can get everything together. But my goal now is to write a book about this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a podcast in Vietnam with Michael Covell, who is a great author. He's written like seven books. And uh, I jumped on his podcast 
And he's been encouraging me to write a book about my journey. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's his field of expertise. So hopefully the book can be served to inspire because behind you, I see the never finished with David Goggins. Mm. And I will say is can't hurt me was a huge inspiration for me for a lot of personal things, a lot of physical goals and reading that book changed a lot about me. So I hope to one day write something and create something that people will read or watch or follow and go, Mm. I can do that too. Or at least to a smaller degree, I can change something, try something new, travel to a new place. Dude, I have no doubt that's that's what's going to happen. And I think you're doing it from the right standpoint, which is a genuine desire to share your experience, share your, your world, open up your life to people so they can be inspired. I mean, you, hell, you inspired me. I've been to Vietnam three times, haven't been there probably 15 years, and now I'm like, shoot, maybe I need to go back to Vietnam, you know, but, but you know, whether it's Vietnam, whether it's whatever, you know, to help people get out there to see the rest of the world and see how beautiful cultures are and how beautiful people are, I think is probably the biggest gift. And that, my friend, is what you're doing. Yes. You're giving that gift to people. So I thank you for that. Uh, before I let you go, plug yourself a little bit, and I'll make sure I'll link every everything on the description. But uh, where can they find you? All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, every platform from YouTube to Facebook to Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Just Fukmat Vlog, no accents, all one word. If you type in Depchanyat Saigon on Google, I guarantee the whole first page is me. Trust me. And uh, yeah. If you guys are interested in Vietnam, Vietnamese, the culture, the food all around the country, I think you will benefit from following me on those platforms. And if you want to learn Vietnamese, well, as you've seen recently, I've been teaching Vietnamese on Instagram. So even if you are Vietnamese and heritage and need to brush up on some words, you can follow my channel for more. And just so you guys know, Phuc means blessing. So thank you, my brother, for blessing me with your time. Uh, I wish you a lot of success and, and you know what, there's nothing wrong with uh, wanting a little bit of money too. So a lot of wealth and health in your family and continue to grow brother, please. And, uh, let's stay in touch and, uh, let's connect offline as well too. Thank you, sir. I'd Thank be happy for- to take part in this again. It was a good experience. For sure. Take care, brother.